0: Once upon a time, every child knows that all the best stories start like that. Once upon a time, two strangers met on a bridge. One man was obviously despondent, his head lowered, his arms crossed in front of him, and the other man stopped to ask him what was wrong. Nobody loves me, the man said sadly. That's not true, said the other man. God loves you. Do you believe in god yes he said are you a christian i am he responded my friend me too the man proclaimed are you protestant or catholic i'm protestant how wonderful me too what denomination are you baptist the man said now smiling My brother, cried the other man, slapping him on the shoulder. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist. Throwing his arms out wide, he yelled with joy, Me too, we're part of the same family. Are you Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist. How amazing, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? The man responded, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. Me too, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. Oh, the man turned his back and angrily walked away calling over his shoulder, heretic, you're no friend of mine. Okay, so that's a really old church joke, almost as old as I am, and it is a ridiculous scenario, right? It feels almost as ridiculous to us as the major church controversies about which Paul is counseling the church in Rome in his letter. In today's scripture, Paul outlines the two major areas of disagreement. In the Roman Church, there apparently were two factions deeply opposed to one another's beliefs. One side believed that all foods were equally acceptable to eat. The other held to a strict vegetarian diet. The other controversy about which they were fighting was about which day of the week was the most holy. The two biggest controversies of the day, what to eat and when to worship. If only it felt that simple now. Can I get an amen? But Paul, obviously felt that those differences were creating a conflict serious enough that in his introductory letter to this church in Rome, he felt that he had to address them. Somehow, he has received word of these disputes, and he is worried about the church, worried about their being bogged down and fighting so much so that their disagreement will cause them to fall out of faith, out of love for God, and out of love for each other what to eat and when to worship. Now today, neither issue really seems like a big deal to us. So why were these discussions so contentious at the time? The Jewish law had very strict rules about food and drink, what you could eat, when you could eat it, how it could be stored and prepared, with whom you could eat it. And for the new followers of Christ, there was a question about whether those rules still applied to them after Jesus' once-for-all sacrifice on the cross. For example, if an animal had been sacrificed in worship to an idol, was the meat acceptable for a Christ follower to eat? And if it wasn't acceptable, then to make it even more complicated, what if you couldn't differentiate at the market between animals that had been butchered just for sale and animals that had been sacrificed? Perhaps they thought it was better to avoid the problem altogether and simply don't eat any meat. In that culture at that time, this was no small question. It was a very big deal. At the core of the other Roman churches' controversy was about which day was to be set apart for worship. The Sabbath, or holy day for the Jewish people, was on Saturday. From sunset on Friday until sunset on Saturday... The day was completely set apart for God, for prayer, scripture reading, singing, family, celebration. On that day, no work was to be done by the people of faith. But then, in the early Christian church, a move of Sabbath began to happen. Because Jesus had risen from the dead in the early hours of Sunday morning, after the Jewish Sabbath was over, the followers of Christ began to celebrate their holy day on Sunday, kind of like a mini Easter every week. The divide between those who believed that the Sabbath day required by God in the Ten Commandments had to be on Saturday were in direct conflict with those who believed that Sunday was the day now set apart by Jesus for worship. And apparently, there were still others who believed that all of the days were equally holy without one being held more so than any other And then add to that the question of whether observance of all of the Jewish festival days were required for followers of Jesus, and you have a lot of potential for disagreements and division. These were the Roman church's controversies. They are not our controversies, but they were controversies that were important to the people that Paul was addressing. They were matters for them of faithfulness, integrity, and identity for that church. And out of love for all, both sides, all sides, everyone involved, Paul challenges them. Who are you, he says, to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. What to eat and when to worship. They may not be our controversies today, but we have plenty of our own from which to choose when we choose to condemn. And it is easy, so very, very easy, for us to look at the beliefs, the opinions, the understandings of those with whom we disagree and to condemn them for those beliefs, opinions, and understandings. And this is Nothing New. Paul saw it happening in the earliest years of the Christian faith. John Wesley saw it in the earliest years of the Methodist movement. In his sermon titled Catholic Spirit, Wesley wrote this. Where are the Christians who love one another as he hath given us commandment? How many hindrances lie in the way? The two grand general hindrances are first that they cannot all think alike, and in consequence of this, secondly, they cannot all walk alike but in several smaller points, their practice must differ in proportion to the difference of their sentiments. But although a difference in opinions or modes of worship may prevent an entire external union, yet need it prevent our union in affection. Although we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. Without all doubt, we may. Jesus summarized how it is that we are called to live. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God with everything in us and love all of the people God places in our paths. Paul summarizes it this way. If we live It is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. That image. That picture of each of us, you, me, standing before the throne of judgment with God's eyes intently upon us, every moment of our lives spread before us, nothing hidden, everything known, could potentially be deeply frightening to imagine. But simultaneously, as we remember that we all stand before the judgment seat of God, we also remember that Jesus became human, lived, taught, healed, died, and came back to life to demonstrate the depth of God's love for us. He came to save us, to show us the way, to give us the target at which to faithfully aim our lives. He came to create community that bridges some of the greatest divides of our lives. Ethnicity, language, race, gender, politics, socioeconomics. Jesus came to create a family bound together. And we are bound, imperfect, and flawed as each of us is. We are bound together only through Christ's love. None of us, not one, not you, not me, not one of us gets it completely right. Not one of us can stand above another person in their own struggles and condemn them. Not one of us has attained such perfection that we can stand as judge Because each of us stands before the throne of judgment, not one of us, not one of us is qualified to sit upon that throne. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. But... Does that mean that all beliefs, all opinions, all behaviors and actions are equally true and healthy and ethical and God-honoring? Of course not. So then what do we do? When we are faced with something we believe to be untrue, unhealthy, unethical, and God-dishonoring, what do we do? The final verse of our scripture today says this. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Let's stop condemning each other, Paul writes. Krinoman from the root krino, meaning to judge, to make a decision, to have a verdict in favor of or in condemnation of someone. Let's stop condemning each other, Paul says. And he continues, decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Do not condemn krino, but decide instead. In Greek, the verb to decide comes from the exact same root word as to judge krino. That floored me when I first saw it. Do not condemn, Crino, but decide instead, again, Crino, to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. These two words held up against each other floored me because I realized something. Some of the most difficult and damaging conversations I have had in my life have been with people with whom I had profound differences in theology, politics, beliefs, And opinions. And some of the most interesting, invigorating, healing, challenging conversations I have had in my life have been with people with whom I had profound differences in theology, politics, beliefs, and opinions. What was the difference? Actually quite simple. Love. Those damaging conversations were filled with judgment, condemnation, deep and painful disapproval. Those amazing conversations about some of the very same issues were filled with curiosity, courtesy, honesty, respect, and love. God gave us the ability to reason, to read scripture, to have experiences, relationships, knowledge. How we utilize that reason, experience, knowledge, that makes all the difference. Do we use it to clobber, to slap someone down? Do we use it to heal, to bring peace, to invite do we use our reason, scripture, experiences, knowledge to place stumbling blocks in people's paths? Do we use it to place snares to catch them so that we can declare them unworthy? Do we use our ability to crino to observe, discern, to reason, to lift people up or to push them down? As representatives of Christ in our daily lives, do we use our words and actions to draw people closer to God, removing stumbling blocks and obstacles that the world has placed in their path? Or do our words and actions serve to demonstrate that we find them unworthy of God's love? These are questions worth asking of ourselves and worth being utterly honest with ourselves about. Because Jesus gave himself on the cross for us all, not because we were perfect or even deserving, but out of love. And we are called to do the same, whether or not people personally meet our standard of who is worthy. Because we all, every one of us, is equally unworthy of God's love. And because of God's love for us shown through Jesus, we are all, every one of us, unworthy as we are, we are forgiven and cherished and redeemed forever remove the stumbling blocks, take away the snares, make the path as smooth and straight and as safe as we possibly can for all to make their way to God so that they can learn who God is, who God created them to be, and how God wants to guide their steps and heal their spirits and their lives so that when we meet that stranger on the bridge despondent with head hanging down arms crossed in despair when he says sadly nobody loves me we can without reservation or pause respond that is not true god loves you and then the stranger becomes family